0: The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World.
1: It's happening all over, from Sweden to California, from East Sussex in England to New England in the United States, and you don't have to worry about missing it. As an unstoppable freight train, it's coming to a school or theater near you. This brazen new world, boldly and shamelessly, is casting aside long-standing values of the social order. It arrived in the once conservative province of Alberta, Canada in January 2016. Here it is. Guidelines for Best Practices, Creating Learning Environments that Respect Diverse Sexual Orientation, Gender Identities, and Gender Expressions. After Education Minister David Egan rolled out what the National Post describes as mandatory LGBTQ policies, constitutional attorney John Carpe responded with the following in the Calgary Herald. Schools at which kids wear uniforms can no longer insist that only girls wear skirts. Girls must be allowed to join the boys hockey team. Boys are entitled to attend a girls' sex education class. Schools must work toward the elimination of single gender sports, meetings, clubs and activities. Schools must even stop using gendered language like mother, father, him, her, mister, missus, and instead use non-gendered language like caregivers and partners. In Alberta, the feelings of a boy who thinks he's a girl are far more important than the privacy rights or the feelings of girls who don't want to share their change room with a boy. Girls who feel uncomfortable about a physical male using their change room will need to go elsewhere. Welcome to the NDPs, that's the New Democratic Party's genderless utopia. Attorney Carpe is not exaggerating. The guidelines which were published online required all private, public, charter, Catholic, and alternative schools to meet their standards by March 2016. No discussion, just do it or else. As part of the guidelines, all schools from kindergarten through grade 12 are, get this, not allowed to inform parents about their child's gender expression. According to these policies, they are intended to protect lesbian, gay, bisexual, two-spirit, queer, questioning, and trans. Now, trans has the following footnote. Some individuals identify with terms such as transgender, transsexual, gender fluid, gender diverse, and agender. We have chosen to use the word trans in these guidelines as an inclusive, continually evolving umbrella term commonly used to describe individuals whose gender identity and gender expression differ in some way from the sex they were assigned at birth. While we recognize this umbrella term may not fit for everyone, our intention is to be as inclusive as possible. One can only guess what other gender forms could possibly evolve from such fertile minds. Surely every possible sexual orientation has been covered, that is, except male and female, which are conveniently left out. The average person is left asking, who is responsible for this sudden reversal of the once held values of a society? What has happened to the silencing opposing viewpoints as a whole culture shifts to affirm what was formerly considered wrong? How is it that the LGBT lobby has made such powerful inroads into the thinking of politicians, judges, and academic institutions? Stay tuned because I'll be right back with some surprising answers. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to Tomorrow's World where we not only discuss today's news but give you the meaning behind it and where it's heading. We also explain how there is good news for the future in spite of a lot of short-term bad news. On today's program I'm going to explain how we have come to the place we have. Show that the hope for utopia is an illusion and show how you can be a part of the solution. But before we get to ways the issue may be resolved, we must first recognize the problem. There is a deliberate, well-orchestrated assault on traditional values, and it is relentless and powerful. The architects of this new brazen world have no interest in discussing their ideas. Their desire is to totally silence any opposition. Kirsten Powers is a journalist for USA Today and a contributor on Fox News. This self-proclaimed liberal has become so disturbed by what she sees that she wrote the book, The Silencing, How the Left is Killing Free Speech. In it she writes, The illiberal left believes that people who express ideological, philosophical, or political views that don't line up with their preferences should be completely silenced. Instead of using persuasion and rhetoric to make a positive case for their causes and views, They work to delegitimize the person making the argument through character assassination, demonization, and dehumanizing tactics. These are the self-appointed overlords, activists, university administrators, journalists, and politicians who have determined what views are acceptable to express. So shut up or else! And then this very liberal, and I might add, very courageous and fair-minded Kirsten Powers points out that the favorite targets for this kind of demonization are mostly conservatives and orthodox Christians. But it doesn't stop there. Anyone who crosses the line can fall within their crosshairs. As she points out, just ask Bill Maher, who flipped in an instant from liberal darling to hate-filled bigot, when he expressed a fraction of the disdain for Islam that he's routinely demonstrated toward Christianity. Yes, you can express absolute contempt for anything labeled Christian, the Bible, or traditional standards of morality, but watch out if your criticisms step on any of the liberal left's sacred cows. One has to wonder what price Miss Powers will pay for her expose. Another courageous woman is Dr. Miriam Grossman. She first published her book, Unprotected, under the name Dr. Anonymous, for fear of losing her job in psychiatry at one of the most prestigious American universities, UCLA. That's the University of California at Los Angeles. In Unprotected, she wrote, I once assumed campus medicine and psychology had one priority, student well-being. I am no longer so naïve. Radical politics pervades my profession and common sense has vanished. These are not trifling accusations and she doesn't mince words regarding an agenda behind the problem. She goes on to explain, These changes are the result of social agendas foisted on the campus community. And in my work at the counseling center, I see the consequences daily. Dangerous behaviors are a personal choice. Judgments are prohibited. They might offend. Students have gender-free partners. What difference does it make whether male or female? What is it that these social engineers hope to accomplish in bringing about their brazen new world? According to Dr. Grossman, they hope to destabilize a truth of science and civilization, that the sexes are deeply and essentially different. Their goal is an androgynous culture where the differences between male and female are discounted or denied and the bond between them robbed of singularity. I would argue, as others have before me, that their real goal is to create a secular world, one like John Lennon's imaginary world with no religion, in effect no God, where anything goes and there are no absolutes. Will such a world truly bring mankind the utopia that they hope for? Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen authored After the Ball, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s. And in it, they make some revealing admissions. What few in our postmodern world realize is that their worldview has been heavily influenced by a deliberate media campaign. As Madsen and Kirk state on page 161, gays must launch a large scale campaign. We've called it the Waging Peace Campaign to reach straits through the mainstream media. We're talking about propaganda. And then on the next page, they admit to something that we would all do well to consider that in such a campaign, logic must be subordinate to emotion. In their own words, First propaganda relies more upon emotional manipulation than upon logic. How many people have been deceived by this well orchestrated emotional propaganda campaign? The truth is that right now they are winning, but in the end they will fail. Before I explain why they will fail, I want to offer you one of our most important booklets Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. How is it that our world has come to the place it has? Professing Christianity has failed. There has been a silencing of the true message of the Bible. It has been suppressed by what amounts to a form of religious censorship. Satan's counterfeit Christianity is written for people who will not only recognize the truth when they see it, but who are courageous enough to make heartfelt changes in their lives. If that sounds like you, Order your absolutely free copy of Satan's Counterfeit Christianity.
0: For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. Or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is one 800 236 With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine. Full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now.
1: As we have seen, activists Madsen and Kirk admitted to using an emotion propaganda campaign to change American views regarding homosexuality. Another tactic they freely acknowledge promoting is the very thing Kristen Powers and Miriam Grossman have revealed a deliberate censorship campaign to change American views on sexuality. and their admittedly successful attempt to convince Americans of their agenda, they divided everyone into three camps. Friends, homosexuals and others favorable to the cause, ambivalent skeptics, those who are not strongly convicted either way, and intransigents, those that will never be convinced. Their target audience were those in the middle, those ambivalent skeptics who could be influenced emotionally. But what was their scheme to deal with intransigents? Those they recognized would never be convinced, those too secure in their beliefs to be converted to their worldview? One tactic they freely admitted proposing was the idea that intransigents should be labeled homophobic, but they took it one step further, preferring the term homo-haters. They left no room for even polite dissenting opinion. You are either afraid of them or hate them. The words should be repeated so often that they become the de facto means of describing anyone who disagrees. And the tactic worked. After all, who wants to be labeled fearful or hateful? This tactic of demonizing those they couldn't convert would have the following effect. Our primary objective regarding die-hard homo-haters of this sort is to cow and silence them as far as possible, not to convert or even desensitize them. We conclude, therefore, that ambivalent skeptics are our most promising target. If we can win them over, produce a major realignment solidly in favor of gay rights, the intransigence will eventually be effectively silenced by both law and polite society after the ball was written in 1989, and it laid out a plan to transform how Americans think. And no matter which side one is on, one must admit that they pulled off their plan masterfully. American thinking on the subject has changed radically within the span of a single generation. The Bible predicted long ago that our world would eventually come to this place. It describes an age where all common sense and logical thought would be missing and nations would give themselves over to all manner of sinful sexual behaviors. The prophet Isaiah addresses the leaders of the Israelite nations in chapter 1 and in verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The ancient cities of Sodom and Gomorrah exercised total liberality in sexual behavior vaunting adultery, fornication, and various homosexual practices, all behaviors that the Bible guides us away from for our safety and our happiness. It's remarkable how accurately the Bible predicted our age in this light. For example, did you realize that the prophet Ezekiel used the exact word the LGBT lobby uses to describe themselves? Here it is in chapter 16, And verse 49. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had, and here it is, pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Some 2,500 years later, we have Pride Week and Pride Parades. And it's important to note that Ezekiel is not talking about a single tribe, but all twelve tribes of Israel. The Jews are only one of twelve. The entire chapter distinguishes between the house of Judah, Jews and Benjamites, and the ten-tribed house of Israel. The latter is made up of many so-called Western nations, Britain and the United States, France, Switzerland, Belgium, the Netherlands, and the Scandinavian countries, And of course we cannot leave out the British-descended nations of Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and parts of South Africa, as we have previously taught on this program. Why are these leading nations leading the charge in this strange direction where we take such pride in sexual license? And why are we confused even to the point of not knowing which dressing room we should go into? And how did this thing we call political correctness take hold? The late Scottish author George MacDonald Fraser made this blunt statement in comparing our generation with his. We had other freedoms, the really important ones, that are denied the youth of today. We could say what we liked, they can't. We could and did and would have laughed political correctness to scorn had our society been weak and stupid enough to let it exist. Many sense that something is terribly wrong, but they don't understand the fundamental cause of the problem, nor the solution. The prophet Jeremiah gives the answer in chapter 10 and verse 23, O LORD, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. We think we have all the answers, so how are we doing? Over the past 50 years, social movements have changed our perspective of the roles of women and men. The sexual revolution has convinced a whole generation of old and young alike that marriage is no longer necessary to enjoy the privileges of marriage, leading to the legal acceptance of same-sex marriages. The killing of the most innocent and helpless is no longer considered murder, but a choice. Radicals have infiltrated the media and academia, and truth is being silenced. What are the fruits of this brazen new world? Instead of peace, we see wars. The Middle East, Africa, and Asia are experiencing geopolitical unrest as various ethnic and religious sects fight for control. Europe is being invaded by hordes of frightened refugees. Terrorism has moved out of the Middle East and into Europe and America. National economies are in shambles. Marriages fail and children don't know their mothers and fathers. Why we can't even figure out which sex we are, and some parents have bought into the incredible notion that they should raise their children gender neutral. Many sense that our world is spinning out of control, something seems drastically wrong. People often ask, if there is a God, why does He allow suffering? If God exists, why doesn't He stop it? And that's a very good question, one that many ask. There is an answer and I'll give it to you in the final portion of our program, along with the solution to today's mixed up and confused world. But first I want to remind you of today's offer. Satan's counterfeit Christianity shows that the truth of the Bible has been suppressed by what amounts to a form of religious censorship, and it's because Christianity has been corrupted that we have lost our way and fallen prey to secularism. Now if you are one of those that is not afraid to face the truth as to why professing Christianity has failed, and if you are not afraid to make hard decisions based on that knowledge, order your free copy of Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. There is no cost no obligation, and no follow-up.
0: For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. Or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is 1-800-236-0531.
1: Before the break, I told you I would give you the answer to why God allows so much suffering in the world. And here it is. In the 59th chapter of Isaiah, beginning in verse 1, the prophet explains Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He then perfectly describes our day in verses 14 and 15, For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. In our brazen new world we have rejected God and His rule over us. Even some clergymen declare His laws null and void. And while we reject God's rule, we boldly replace it with the imaginations of our deceptive hearts. Isaiah gives us warning to those who desire to turn everything upside down. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The apostle Paul wrote a letter to the young evangelist Timothy of what to expect in the days ahead. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, despisers of good, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I also said earlier in the program that the architects of this brazen new world will fail, and I mentioned that you can be a part of the solution. We call this program Tomorrow's World, Because the God of the Bible describes a time when conditions will get so bad that only the return of Jesus Christ will stop man from snuffing out all intelligent life. We read Jesus' words regarding this in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and verses 21 and 22. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. The biblical message is that Jesus the Christ will return to set up his kingdom. That is good news. But it's not the only good news. For three and a half years before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he preached this message of the kingdom of God. And he tells us that we can be a part of it. For those who willfully cast off ignorance, and those who steadfastly face the truth, there is a reward held out to us. In Revelation the fifth chapter in verses nine and 10, we read of a song the servants of God will sing. And they sang a new song saying, "You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, and tongue and people and nation. And note this and have made us kings and priests to our god and we shall reign on the earth. God's reward is not for his servants to go off to heaven for eternal retirement but to be rulers in tomorrow's world to straighten out the mess we see in today's world. One of Jesus' parables addresses this subject in Luke the 19th chapter. Here He describes a nobleman going into a far country to receive a kingdom. He distributes a mina, a unit of money, to each of ten servants and tells them to do business. When he returns, he requires each one to report on how he did. To the one whose mina gained ten, he congratulates him with these words, Well done, good servant, because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. To the one whose mina had gained five minas, He said, You also be over five cities. God is calling a few today who are willing to cast aside a Satan-inspired counterfeit Christianity to be rulers in His kingdom when Christ returns. This is the message of hope Jesus brought, and which one of us doesn't want to have a part in solving the very real problems we see around us? If you understand this message, Jesus is calling you to have a part in doing just that. But there is a powerful evil influence that wants to suppress that message through His counterfeit Christianity. Secularism is winning right now because religion is failing. If you'd like to learn more about why it is failing, call right or click to receive your absolutely free copy of Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. This powerful booklet can change your life. So don't put it off. For your eternal good, do it right now. And be sure to come back each week to Tomorrow's World, where Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, and I will continue to share with you the teachings of Jesus Christ, the good news of His coming Kingdom, and exciting end-time prophecies and their meaning. Be sure to join us again next week, right here at this same time.
0: To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter.